1: and welcome everybody this would be the Jeff cameron show right here on 93.3 real talk radio and war Chant tv on a libations friday don't forget to like and subscribe to war Chant tv if you're listening it's gonna be pretty loosey-goosey uh as you can see if you are watching jeff cameron show and war Chant tv we had to do a little pre-record today pre-record both of us have to get out of town for a couple of different reasons, that's neither here nor there. But we wanted to do same-day coverage, same-day stuff like we normally do. And so it is that we will. Director Matthew is directing, and Tom is here. He's gonna be popping up any moment. And uh, I'm Jeff. And I um, I guess I'm going to tell you that, Tom, I want I want us to get to a place where um, these walk-offs that happen against us are just things that, uh, you know, we get out of our system now in the regular season. Yeah. Uh, That's a a running kick to the cojones last night. Now, for you and me, and everybody knows this, um, we were euphoric nonetheless because the Lightning scored with 3.8 seconds to play down in sunrise to win a game that was destined for overtime. And so uh, nothing could really upset me too bad, but about getting tired of some walk offs on us now, that's uh, back to back nights.
2: Yeah, we had talked about um, the pitching situation on Tuesday. It's a short week, so it influences some of the decisions you might make, especially in the ninth inning in Gainesville. Um, I guess Davis' hair was not available in a pinch in the ninth inning. We were going with Crowell, who has been excellent of late. Excellent. Yeah. And uh, that's what North Carolina said as the ball was in the air with uh, two outs and two on. Excellent. Excellent. That's going to leave the park. Excellent. We're going to walk this one off. Uh, but when Montgomery started the game, I just said, okay, all right, all right. So the final regular season weekend of the year, where Ross Dunn had a very impressive Sunday. Guess he wasn't ready by Thursday night. Montgomery sure as hell didn't throw a ton of pitches on Sunday. So I guess we're going to roll his ass out there. And I just hope that when we get to uh, postseason play here really, really soon, and we're probably not going to host a regional at this point uh, unless we get on a really, real hot streak uh, over the next week. Uh, that, All right. I hope he's our closer. I hope this guy's our closer. And let's hope that our two studs do what they're supposed to do. Put us out to a lead uh, or, uh, sorry, pitch us and secure a lead and keep us there in front. Through six, through seven innings, and maybe you could take this series by the time Saturday's over. But uh, well, it's frustrating. frustrating Very frustrating yeah. result.
1: It's frustrating because, in spite of all of that, Tom, and there are some downs again, you know, there are guys that you continue to get frustrated with. Um, he's one of them, but, you know, Terrell is another guy. There are a couple of guys in this team that you just come on, you want to, we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. But the truth is, they have the lead on the road in the ninth. Yep. You know, I mean, the, 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 you've got yourself in position to win a baseball game. You got a good player on the mound. You got a good pitcher on the mound and and he gets outs quick and you're like, okay, well, we're going to go ahead and knock this out. And then you, you know, you give up a couple singles and the next thing you know, padow, on a two, two pitch and uh, you lose the game and it, walk-offs are frustrating because they hurt. But again, you're in a position on the road to win the game and they don't get it done there. So, uh, you know, they could still win the series. We shall see. Uh, but at the same time, you're right. I mean, this goes back to this team being flawed, uh, but also uh, being really, really strong in some areas. And uh, they're going to have to ride those two guys, man. But it, but the other thing I would say is you, you got your young players playing really well right now uh, in terms of position players. Uh, Tibbs goes yard again. Ferrars played well. You got a lot of guys that you feel good about yeah. that are really young. They have to carry the team. Um, to me, Uh, yeah. I'm gonna get. They have the best at bats time and again.
2: Yeah, and Crowell's finished games for us before he did last weekend. So I get it. You know, he what was it? Four innings to close out the game. So it's not like he hasn't been in that spot before. Just maybe it's the major league baseball fan of me, and I need to stand down. There are times where I really like roles to be carved out, and maybe Davis wasn't available. You'd like to think that your last arm, if that's going to be your closer or whoever it is, uh, is available after one off day. Again, that's the Major League Baseball fan of me. Maybe that's just not the case in college and, and Davis that they wanted to save him for potentially today or or tomorrow. But I uh, just I feel the urgency of roles not being clearly defined from the staff. And I get it. Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, very atypical in the college game. So I'm, I'm trying to put down my saber. I'm not going to wave it
1: around, <laughs> but uh,
2: now you're up yeah. against it. If you're trying to come back here to freaking Tallahassee to play in a regional, because let's just say that the thought was in the dugout, well, we need Davis tomorrow. You need to win the game in front of you. And, and if Crowell, it gives up a single and it's a, it's a walk and maybe you get screwed on a call or two in that at bat, you know, all right, we just move on. That's the beauty of baseball. That's 11, you say. That's the beauty of baseball. We get to play tomorrow. Yes. Yeah, but-
1: well, and they do, absolutely. and they do. And if they win the next two games, and that's a big if, but if they win the next two games, we'll be like, all right, well, it's a road series win in the ACC. You'll take it, and you'll move it right along, and and, and even the nature of the loss won't be uh, weighing heavily on you. That'll that'll be how that rolls. We'll see. I think it's funny that yesterday, man, I, I, I'm i going to – here's a peek behind the curtain. Lucy goosey Fridays, fun kind of talkative edition of the show. So, uh, and I don't think he would mind me mentioning this. Um, it's a pseudo name drop, I guess. I got a, a series of texts last night uh, as I was watching the hockey uh, from Bomani Jones. And I cracked up laughing because obviously Bo's a busy man hosting a show for HBO and any number of other things. And uh, my phone buzzes while I'm watching the hockey. And uh, he goes, I thought of you all day today. And uh, I look I knew why. and then I looked at it and I was like, yeah, easy show to do." He texted back he goes, "Come on, Jimbo, ain't nobody going to college station without getting paid? Who are you kidding out here?" <laughs> and I was like, yeah, man, uh, the apocryphal statements uh, by uh, both he and Sabin uh, astonish back and forth, back and forth. Um, but we we texted back and forth a little bit talking about the the, the issue and he was, pleased that somebody had the cojones to at least uh, undress Saban because nobody ever does really. Um, And so people were on Jimbo's side. If you really go back and look at the uh, vast majority of the responses, people were happy that somebody not only said what he said, I guess, no matter how silly at times, but that he had the gall to do it, that he had the what for to do it. And Jimbo's never been, uh, shy. This reminded me, in a weird way, of the pronouncements he made when when the world came down upon the head of Jameis Winston. Yeah, and he was not bashful about standing up for his player, and that's why the Texas A&M folks love him, and that's why I would say, despite the way things ended here, the majority of Florida State fans still like Jimbo. They still like him, and they know he's somewhat nuts and is prone to kind of perhaps not always uh, presenting himself in the program in the best light, but that he does, he will stand up for stuff that he believes to be correct. And no matter how, again, I talk about, you have to kind of decipher the non sequiturs, but, but you know, no matter how he presents it, they're happy that somebody stood up. I thought it was fascinating that Saban last night uh, in his response to Jimbo stood down. He, he decided to take the other way and, and, and basically admit I shouldn't have singled out anybody, that I'm not against NIL. Well, that's smart because he has to do that for the potential recruits down the line. Um, he's saying that, but I think he probably felt guilty knowing that they're about to do the exact same thing uh, and have done something similar. And he knows that um, unless unless the NCAA's arm of enforcement, which is non-existent currently, actually comes down and does anything that uh, this is the lay of the land and there's no need to single anybody out. I think that's that's probably why he chose to uh, to lay down there. He did. He, he basically said Jimbo can say whatever he wants. He's a good football coach. Yeah, I think that there's the
2: energy of a couple of things here. Uh, one of those things is it reminds me of a bit of Ryan Clark yelling at Antonio Brown saying, you want the receipts?
1: I yeah. Got the receipt.
2: yeah, challenge me. I'll, I'll I'll give you the receipts. The thing is, Jimbo would be bringing himself down, so it's a bluff because he was part and parcel clearly to whatever. Because he said any coach ever is to <laughs> dig yeah. into him, you'll find out the despicable things that Nick Saban's been doing. Um, but I also got the sense that it was like the Spider Man meme. I mean, we all understand that here. We we have yeah. To. Yeah, yeah, these yeah. guys are the same. And now that I've had a day to reflect on it. I know you talked about it with Corey yesterday, but invoking Bobby was the most ridiculous thing ever. Yeah, but you know made why? Fun, made fun of 90% of the things that Bobby did in, off the record when he first got here. Like, this is dumb. That was dumb. We need to fix this. This is outdated. Look at that deer. Look at that tower right there. You think I'm going to go up in that tower? Maybe I'll make it a deer stand. <laughs> like all that kind of stuff. He, he thought of Bobby as a grandfatherly figure, but in terms of, Running an operation day to day, he took no lessons from Bobby or Terry. It was it was ninety percent Nick with a little bit of maybe Bobby in the going into the homes of recruits to close a deal. That's about it.
1: He invoked Bobby out of convenience, and yes. it's very easy to do. Um, it's a beloved figure in the game and a fatherly, grandfatherly figure of the game. And because he's got pictures of himself as a young man with a Florida State hat on it at a Bobby Bowden camp. And he's able to do it. Um, I don't doubt that he respected and loved Bobby Bowden the man. I don't resp- I don't. I don't doubt that. I think he did. Um, but I. But I 100% know that he didn't model anything that he did uh, in terms of running Florida State's program once he had the reins, meaning Jimbo Fisher. Uh, he didn't do anything that Bobby Bowden was doing over the course of the last 10 years of Coach Bowden's career, because over the course of the last 10 to 12 years of Coach Bowden's career, as we've noted, it's the last decade, you wouldn't emulate yeah. that you wouldn't, right. you wouldn't put into place the antiquated methods of practicing. So, yeah, man, I mean, but it was convenient, because the guy asked him about mentors. And so he was like, this is a softball, because you can then say, who's going to attack you for? Uh, espousing the virtues of Bobby Bowden, right? He's not nobody, but I'm saying, yeah, because we know where they were two guys in Tallahassee. He knows in the grandest of stages where he is that how that's going to play nationally. And certainly nobody can question him at Texas A&M. So yeah, he's going to say, right, right. Yeah. He's going to latch onto that. And, and if you're trying to be grandiose over the top and garner favor, it's what politicians do. Well, and,
2: and there's a large segment of our fan base that ate it up, too. And and listen, if, if you're watching the show right now or listening to podcasts, don't don't eat it up. Jimbo had a humanity to him. And and uh, there was a connection you could make with Jimbo in like one out of three interactions. I'd say that's probably the ratio. And and it was mm. genu- like he's got a heart. There is a real heart and a real well,
1: good. Yeah, heart I was there. on the other side of that. Uh, I was on both sides. I've seen him. I've seen both.
2: But then the other two thirds of the time, not to be Scott Steiner and start doing crazy math here. But he's a bully. I mean, now there are times that you want a bully to go to war for you. See the Jim Flanagan clip call by Thunder Freddie Stevenson against Clemson in 2016. You want somebody to pound the table and, yeah. and, and back, back you, back your program, back your, uh, your team. Same thing with Jameis. And that was the biggest example. Jimbo was not afraid at any point
1: in that. Well,
2: year, and year, he, cycle.
1: he was, well, I don't, I don't want to go down that road again, but it, he, rightfully so, by the way. I stand by him for yeah. that.
2: I, I agree. So there are some times that you need a bully in your corner, especially at sports, guys. It's not life. So you, you need that, and that fires you up as a fan. Look at him walking out of the tunnel in 2013 at Clemson. That dude is ready to throw down, and you love that about him. But then behind the scenes, he was a bully, too, to people on a person-to-person level. Yeah. So don't tell me that you that you learn how to treat people and do things right under Bobby Bowden because – when people show you who they are, believe him. And two-thirds of the time, he's bipolar a little bit, but two-thirds of the time, he was cruel. So don't do that. Don't play that game. And I'll call that out every time he tries to invoke Bobby's name to prop himself up. Get the hell out of here. That's so disingenuous, it makes me sick.
1: But it's who, but that's the point. It's it's who he is. And, and it's why we have, over the years, had fun at his expense because there's a lot of good in there. You You just noted it. Um, You know, I have said on this show countless times that he called me personally more than once when my son was in the hospital at Shands, and I'll always be thankful for that. That was awfully kind of him to do, and I appreciate that. Uh, it doesn't undo the moments in time in which I saw him lacking that humanity. Um, It doesn't, you know, it's, it's, these are two different things. It was in there. It was nice. And I'll always uh, be thankful again uh, for that phone call and for the messages he left me. I'll also always remember the times that out of nowhere, he screamed me down unprofessionally for no reason other than he disagreed with a thought I had about a fourth and fourth and three that he called a fourth and one that everybody, yeah. uh, or no, I called a fourth and one and he called a fourth and three and we knew it was fourth and one. We're staring at it, um, you know, or any of the other times that out of nowhere, I mean, it was, yeah. I mean, it's just,
2: not practice, dude. We're like we're in the building. We're allowed in the building for this particular thing. It's called a game. Yeah, I saw the game, man. I saw the scoreboard, fourth and
1: one. Saw the yeah. call. Yeah, the whole deal. Yeah, my buddy.
2: No, yeah, my buddy Chris, not not uh, old uh, Malagon, but uh, said he's one of those guys. After watching the presser, and he said it was a classic. But he's one of those guys that has told lies long enough. He starts to believe him and and that's i think that's true on some levels and that's where you know the narcissistic thing is funny but that's the spider-man meme. it's just that Jimbo's a shorter version of nick in the meme. you know you can't make them the same size Saban yeah. is a larger spider-man he's much more jacked uh than than jimbo but it's great for the soap opera and that was a whole lot of fun yesterday
1: jeff cambridge show 93.3 real talk radio war chant tv continues in a moment
0: the Jeff Cameron Show is sponsored by the legendary team at Hamilton Home Loans. Great rates, cutting edge technology, and transparent communication is the recipe for a five star mortgage experience at fsuhomeloans.com. <music>
1: High Nation's Friday edition, Jeff Kaepernick Show, 93.3, 4 Chant TV. Appreciate you uh, tuning in, as always. As you can tell, if you're watching, we've uh, recorded this one uh, just hours before. It would normally run, both of us, on the road at this time, but uh, I have to uh, mention that just so you know that it's not live. According to the FCC, it's frowned upon if we uh, persuade you to think otherwise. By the way, I it, this, because it is pre-recorded. I do want to mention that there's a chance, there's a slight chance, Tom, I suppose, that there's a little bit of a dated element to this uh, particular show if it comes down the pike today. And I'm not saying that it will. Don't know that it's slated to. It would be sort of a classic Friday news dump, but it's not a negative. So I don't know that they would feel the need to, to do that. Uh, and I'm talking about the ACC maybe announcing the, the divisions. Um, you, you saw Uh, several articles yesterday and then the pac 12 immediately took advantage uh the ncaa division one council um basically noted that um hey look uh, you you can do whatever you want to do uh regarding these divisions uh you want to play the best two in the championship game and they're in the same division that's fine highest ranked team whatever it is you want to do You're you're allowed to do it, and and so it is. That's where we stand now. And now, you know what's fun for people to do who love the history of college football. You can go back and look, Tom. I think I noted that since 2011, if they if this rule had been in place for the Pac-12, there would have been five instances in which the Pac-12 championship game would have been changed. So, for example, I don't think you would have had. i took a cursory glance at this like washington washington state that one year which was kind of cool yeah Uh, yeah. i think that that would have been uh washington and oregon and there's another time where it would have been oregon features prominently in the times that somebody wouldn't have played like oregon beat ucla one year ucla would not have been there i think it would have been uh stanford so there's there's a few times where it would have made a difference if they had utilized this situation, I think five times since 2011. Um, And then, you know, everybody wonders then how that affects anything. We've, we've been talking about this for a while. Uh, The ACC, if they do it, the only thing we care about is, okay, well, who are you going to always be matched up against? Um, And if you're going to go back through and look at dissolving divisions, um, The ACC is next in line to do it. Uh, According to every article I've read in college football is the big 10 is likely to do it in time, but not maybe this year or next. And the SEC, um, the coming, and you know, the change will happen in the coming years for the SEC too, but the ACC is next in line and uh, good, good. I'm ready for it. Let's do it. And what they want is to know are the strongest rivalries going to be sustained? And I think the answer to that is yes. And uh, we've gone through this. While it's maybe unfair to teams like Florida State, perhaps even Clemson and Miami, as sort of the torchbearers, even though two of the three teams I just named, sadly, are not great football programs at the current time and haven't been, um, that you want to sustain FSU Miami playing one another you'd like to sustain FSU Clemson playing one another. I think we're saddled with this. I think we're going to be playing those two teams every year with a third being probably Georgia Tech.
2: Yeah, initially I was for this. Now I'm totally against it. it. It doesn't make any sense to affix Clemson, Florida State, and by extension Miami to a degree, playing each other, and, and that we have to play both of those institutions. And no, it's not out of fear. These things are going to go in cycles, and you want your ACC championship to be the strongest. And you're going to be playing each other anyway in a two out of four year circumstance in a home and home. So don't force it every year because you don't want that cheap you know, ticket punched for a North Carolina or a Pitt or Wake in a good year where they're matched up. Let's say it's Wake and they're matched up with Duke, North Carolina and North Carolina State. I mean, you know, some years that might be tough, but in a 10 year span is Wake getting an advantage over a Florida State who plays Miami, Clemson, Georgia Tech. Yeah, they are. And you don't want to reward Tobacco Road once again because you're trying to increase regionality or whatever it is, make yourself more attractive to the masses on television. Now, we're in a position, unfortunately, in the conference where we wield absolutely no immediate authority. I know we've got (laughs) new leadership, and uh, it seems like the chain of command in the athletic department is in a place, in a healthy place that it hasn't been since you were covering Dave Hart back in the day. And that's a wonderful Man. thing. But you remember when Jimbo was the coach, Jimbo 1.0, not 2.0, but 1.0, Florida State was in a place where even when the schedule was coming down, if Jimbo made an angry phone call to the league office, it wasn't always changed, but it was always heard. And it was heard loud and clear because they had to. Now, if Mike were to pick up the phone and say, guys, you can't do this to me. Are you kidding? Clemson. I don't stand, Mike. Mike. Right, right. And they would be somewhat correct to do that. But this is where I would hope the league would look at the long-term viability of a couple of things. Not only, number one, the uh, watchability, the ratings of the championship game. You want to give yourself the best chance for the most ratings of the championship game. But look at Florida State's future schedule. I know it's not their problem, but Jesus, guys, we play Notre Dame, we play Alabama and Georgia and LSU. Yo, do you want us to be in a good position with one or two losses if we ever get back to our peak and playing the ACC championship game so you can garner the extra 40% of viewers around the country to watch it or not. That would be my pitch. And so I'm getting a little uneasy about this thing. I think, though, in the long term, this is a very, very... Uh, Temporary solution. I think eventually, when the game gets restructured, you're going to be looking at divisions of maybe eight teams, and you play everybody in your division, and then you just cross schedule all over the place. But that might be a little bit down the line.
1: So Phillips discussed at the uh, meetings over uh, in in Pontevedra that um, that Irish was at. Of course, the three five five scheduling model, and that's for folks that don't remember exactly what that was. Each league team would play three permanent opponents. Then they rotate through the rest over a two-year period. So five, one year, five, the next type thing. And the NCAA oversight committee at that time, now they have, uh, had not said that 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 was allowable, uh, but now they've kind of recommended that there's no longer divisions to hold a, you know, you don't have to abide by those divisions. Um, And Jim Phillips said that conferences should have the right to determine the conference champion uh, he was in favor of passing uh, legislation to make it happen, uh, and then quote the two. I found the quote the two. I think drivers to this one is the opportunity for our student athletes to play every school in the ACC over a four-year period of time. They're just not the. That's just not the case right now. The other piece of it is I've always felt that was a local decision about how you handle your conference. You're seeing that across multiple conferences that they like to dictate what their championship structure looks like and which will lead to an eventually expanded football playoff. You want your two best teams to have a chance to play at the end of the year for a bunch of reasons. So that's why we're taking our time with this, but it's something that we're looking towards. So he's, he's arguing that it does guarantee that your two best teams will play one another. The only way that you come close
2: to guaranteeing that is your provision for your championship game is who is the highest ranked in the polls, right. not ACC record. It can't, so Correct. And, and how can you with a straight face present that to your membership that this is going to be the structure guys. I don't care if a group goes five and three or we play nine conference games now, whatever it is. No, we're playing eight. So I don't care if a group goes five and three, if they play three brutal teams and they win one of those games and whatever they're ranked 17th in the country and our top teams rank third. I don't care that we got two or three, six and twos. The higher ranked team is going to play in the ACC championship game. If you give me that as a concession, I'll be okay with scheduling more difficult. But I think that
1: about, is going to be the provision.
2: Well, then that's fine. But if it's about, you know, your conference record, then screw that, man. No, yeah, it's if Miami, a given
1: year, yep. if in a given year, Tom, sorry, if in a given year you play Clemson, Miami, and Virginia Tech, and all three are ranked inside the top 15, which is very conceivable, mm-hmm. and you go one and two in those games and your two losses are on the road by three points, Yep. And some team has a 6-2 and two record in conference because they didn't play those three teams or they avoided two of those three. And they played Syracuse, Boston College, Duke, Wake, NC State, and whomever, um, Louisville. You, look, man, you know, you have to be reasonable at that point. You're trying to put your best foot forward. The whole point of all this is that you're trying to put your best foot forward. So I would think in that situation, yes, that provision would be agreed upon. Uh, I, I hope. Because eventually it's going to – over the life of something like this, although I agree with you, this will all be restructured again anyhow, but but over the life of something like that, somebody's going to get screwed. You're, we're all going to get screwed. I mean, if if you're one of the upper echelon teams, somebody's going to get uh, a bad break.
2: Yeah, and, and you could tell where it would go if they decided to do that. It would be not the coach's poll, the coach's poll, not the <laughs> AP poll. It would be the college football rankings. It would be the playoff committee rankings. Right, 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 Those, right, CFP, yeah. And and Jim Phillips is already, you know, of the mind that that should be turned over, that college football should be turned over to that committee anyway. So I could see, it you know, it lines up that he would make the recommendation that that's the ranking system that would sort out who is in the ACC championship game.
1: I just like that he basically told us that it was already voted on by, by, the, by the coaches and ADs for doing it. Yeah, I mean, he's just like, well, we're just waiting for the – for ESPN to say yes. Right. Well,
2: yes, the NCAA to clear it, which he knew that was coming. He's on the transformation committee, so he knows full well that they're having uh, a yeah. vote. But, yes, they're waiting for ESPN's blessing. I mean, you know, that they think that they're going to make, you know, millions and millions of dollars more for just making this one move is crazy. But I'm sure
1: ESPN will be like, yeah, sure, give it a shot, because this ain't working. <laughs> it's Jeff Cameron show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio. Warchant TV.
0: The Jeff Cameron Show is sponsored by the legendary team at Hamilton Home Loans. Great rates, cutting-edge technology, and transparent communication is the recipe for a five-star mortgage experience at fsuhomeloans.com.
1: So I did want to talk about something that is fun for us to talk about as sports fans. And lately, I've had any number of opportunities to do this because of our hockey team, Tom, because of the lightning um, with the two cup runs. For me, it's been about not only the excitement of that, but watching a lot of these games and being at quite a few um, with uh, with my son, with uh, my oldest, who's taken a shine more to it than, than Clark has. Bryce, Bryce will watch a lot of these games with me. And we were watching last night, and it got me thinking about the broader perspective of uh, and the joy that sport brings. And you know these days I'm always reflective because I'm old. I'm old. I got a lot of things to reflect on. Can't be all reflective when you're 20. You don't have that much to reflect on. But uh, when you're 50, and you've been watching sports a long time. And one of the greatest moments – In any sporting event and the ones that seem to last the longest. And and we had one this year, Florida State's improbable win over Miami at home after we had let it get away. And you you watch that drive, you can't believe you're in a position because you remember you had to kick the field goal. You had to make the decision to kick the field goal. So the first thing that has the first domino to fall that has to happen, you got to make the field goal. And there's no guarantees. So you make the field goal, then you got to get a stop and a big third down stop. And you got to get Jermaine Johnson running clear across the other side of the field because he's refusing to lose because that's who that dude is. And that's why we love him in a way uh, that doesn't really make sense because he was here for one year. But that's the kind of love and guts and heart you want your guys to play with in a game of that magnitude. So that is like one of the most underrated plays and Florida State lore because it happened in a sub-500 season. But you think about him running across the field to ensure that not another yard is made on that little check down. Because if I, – and I dare say, and I'm off on a side tangent now, I dare say that if they get another yard on that play, they go for it on fourth down. They're going to they're gonna go for it. If he's just short, they're going to go for it. But he's a full, what, two-yard short, three-yard short? Yep. So there's it too yeah. much.
2: That's way too much.
1: Right. But another yard and a half, yep. they, they go for that. They go for that and they likely get it and we lose the game. So he goes and he makes that play. And then obviously we know what happened. What's written next is something that we'll always uh, talk about the fourth and 14. So it ends up that you get, well, obviously you get to play down the sideline and start the drive, which is exciting. But the fourth and 14 is the moment where you are able to snatch victory from the jaws of defeat and you can't believe it just happened because it's not like that receiver or that quarterback was prolific. <laughs> it's it's, it's well, just not. And yet yeah, it and happened.
2: It, the thing about that too, is this is what <clears throat> sometimes makes football unique is, you know, you get stopped on first and goal. So you basically have two to three real-time minutes in which you know you're going to take the lead? Because even if the bases are loaded and there's one out in baseball yeah. in ninth inning, yeah, you're down a run.
0: Right
2: Shoot, you can be bases loaded, nobody out. 2006, game seven and LCS, you don't score a damn run. One to tie, two to go to the World Series. It's not a sure thing. And you could say, well, Tom, first and to goal for the one is not a sure thing. Well, I mean, if you're putting percentages out there, maybe in baseball it's 70% that you're going to tie the game you know, 60% you're going to take the lead. In football, if you're first and goal from the one, it's a 90-plus percent proposition that you're going to score a touchdown in that moment. So that was the unique thing about that game is everybody had a chance to come down from 4th and 14 and enjoy the fact for a couple of minutes that this is about to happen. What a cool feeling that is. And then once it does, then you you celebrate all over again. It's almost like you get double the joy out of that. what's happening in front of you.
1: It's a good point. I remember thinking a couple of things. Miami should let Florida State score here um, yes. And, yes. And, and move it along, and they didn't, which was dumb. Um, secondly, I was kind of shocked that, and I still, I don't know if you have. This is actually interesting. We've never talked about this. You and me or me and the fans of the show or listeners of the show, did you guys ever see Jordan Travis get in? Yeah. He did. I have slowed that tape down a million times. I don't see the moment. I'm not saying he doesn't. It's just a sea of humanity. And then the next time you see him, you can assume that he did because of the position of his body. But I don't know that I ever in the moment actually saw him with the ball cross the plane. I, I he, he got in. I'm not worried about it. Nobody has ever claimed he didn't. Miami doesn't seem to think that he didn't. But it is a hard... Like, I don't know if we have the still, but it's – I have tried. I don't – maybe my eyes are looking in the wrong place. I just don't see them.
2: So, well, it, give me about a minute because I'll go grab the still. The reason is I, we don't have the rights to uh, play the ACC highlights anymore, but I, I ripped them and I have them on this computers. Look, so, I just remember from putting those together for the post game show that night, that they had the goal line angle, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's it. That's good enough. Well, you
1: know, look, I remember, again, when I watched it, when I got home, because I was in the stands with my dad, and once again, with Bryce and Clark, and we were cheering our heads off, and it seemed evident that he got in. And when we got home, I watched that replay, and I remember thinking, man, you can't – it's hard to tell. Like, that's one of those times where if I were a, a ref down the line, you're like, I, I don't know. But – yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I, I should have taken the time to go back and, and double check. But bottom line is that, I, that that's not why I bring this up. I bring it up because in that moment, it's an improbable victory and it came rather quickly. Like it's a series of a couple of things that happen. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh my goodness, we're going to win. Well, last night when that goal happens with 3.8 seconds left and, um, you, you get Kucherov with the behind the back pass and, and Colton scores the goal. And I can watch that 150 times over the I'm standing by the television. And prior to that, I needed, I wanted the lightning to clear the puck because we were getting peppered on the other end. And I just, at that point conceded that we're going to overtime or I wanted to get us to overtime. Yeah. And I'm telling Bryce, we got to get to overtime. Let's settle in. And then anything can happen in the overtime. It's a bad balance, a weird, you know, turn of events, whatever, you take your chances and, you you know, hold your breath. But when the play happens, there's the Eureka. Oh my God, we just won. And I hugged Bryce and we were jumping around laughing and and like, I can't believe that just happened. And you know what I thought about? And it's really strange that I thought about this. And I wonder you probably wouldn't think about this. How much do you remember 2003 in the swamp when Florida state, you remember it? Well,
2: Yes, I, I could tell you exactly where I was when it happened. Uh, I was so furious at Chris Ricks, as was the uh, the typical refrain in those days. It wasn't his freshman year after all, and um, I was so mad. We we decided to change locations to see if we could get the mojo changed. It was my sister and I. We were in West Chase, and we were coming back to my parents' place in, in Palm Harbor slash East Lake. So we're driving down the road. We don't get home in time to see the finish. I mm. heard Deckerhoff's call of the play in the radio on the radio. That's the moment, the fourth down and then the play. I mean, go ahead and describe it, but I was listening on the radio. It was old school, and we are honking our horn driving a- across our-, our neighborhood, and people are like, what the hell? are walking their dogs and stuff, and we're just like, oh, my God. Unbelievable.
1: Well, I'm going to tell you the fourth down pass to Dominic Robinson, which doesn't get lost. People do remember this, but the fourth down pass to Dominic Robinson I was at Eric Llewellyn's house, uh, Lou's house. He was having a party for this game. Obviously, this pass to Dominic Robinson precludes the uh, the pass to PK Sam, uh, which is uh, a glorious moment in which uh, Mick Hubert nearly dies in the booth uh, when he yells, caught! And I've talked about that for years. But the 4th and 14 play, I – Who had faith that was going to get converted? Nobody, nobody. But the Ricks throws a laser to Dominic Robinson. It is a perfect throw. I mean, give him credit for all my criticisms. It was a laser. He stood tall in the moment, and I. So that first of all, it's very similar. And obviously, we all have talked about fourth and fourteens around here, but. I that conversion and the subsequent touchdown pass when the ball leaves rick's hand it looks a little bit like a hail mary i mean it doesn't really look like a play and you're thinking well, it's either going to get picked or batted down and it's it's gus scott right who gets beat and when th- when that happens and you see the catch i actually and eric can attest to this and I'm actually, it's a feat of strength because he's a big man. I picked him off the ground. I picked Eric on up and was like, we did it, we did it. And he's looking at me like, what the hell? Because I had to get low. I had to get low to pull my man up. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's like, what are you doing? And I'm screaming. Uh, and we're laughing because the, it's a crowded room and I'm on the porch by his grill. And I may have said some expletives along the way towards Lord. Florida, which by the way, Um, had Eric and his wife at the time saying, dude, our neighbors, our neighbors, (laughs) because I was letting it fly toward the vitriol towards Florida. Anyhow, that is another one of those moments. I thought about it last night, that you every now and then are, are, as a sports fan, in utter shock at what transpires in the waning seconds where you are you're up against it. The, the leverage, you, you don't have it. it. It's not for you. You're like, okay, well this, cause, cause usually it doesn't happen. Yeah. Hail Marys don't usually get completed. Bizarre turns of events that lead to an unlikely goal with three seconds left on the road. They don't normally happen. And so I, I just want to say I got to revel in that last night with Bryce and it was so cool. The look on his face, the look on my face, we had, this stunning when we turn to each other like who because you keep waiting for the other shoe to drop like they're gonna wave it off something happened right. or you know or and that's what replays done to us but the the other side of that is you're like did i see that did i go in you know because you in hockey it can be quick and you might you like at first oh. when he shot it i thought he hit the post and then i was like or the crossbar and then i was like no no that's that's in that's in.
2: Oh, yeah. You know me. I'm a locked in guy when it comes to if they scored. And I scare the crap out of my wife because it, it's a quick play. It's bang, bang. And it's out of nowhere because there's a lull in the final 15 seconds of that period where one of our defensemen gets in the zone. You're like, all right, shoot the puck. You're like, why did you back pass it? What are you doing? And then there's just, you know, it's a lazy play at the blue line. You cycle it around and you're just watching the clock. You're like, OK. But there is a building moment. We talked about that between the last segment and this one. There's a building moment where you see, oh, he's there. There's an angle there, and then the pass is going. You're like, oh crap, that got through. And then with me, anytime I see a puck approaching somebody who's going to shoot it, I immediately look at the net for the movement of the net. See
1: the see the moves. I don't look
2: at the shooter. I know what you're about to do. I've seen a thousand, you know, a million hockey shots. Like I know what that looks like. Let's see if the net moves, and then the net moves, and I'm just immediately up. And the poor animals in the house, and Jamie, they're like, what the hell just happened? Let, let me give you a footnote here, real quick, just because here it is. I, I uh, screen grabbed it. You could see, look at the line. Look at the the line to gain. You could see the football. It's 24's left shoulder. Just go up a little bit to the left. That, trust me, that's Jordan Travis in the football. So there he is breaking the play. Yeah, there
1: it is. Okay. I don't
2: okay, have I a But trust me, that is a football over the line. So I I went back and I looked at it. But yeah, I'm
1: glad that you did. And I'm glad that we froze it in time where we could see it. I could have done this Zapruder film deal and and made sure that I saw it. But I I didn't for whatever reason when we first got home. And I'm like, I still don't see it. I don't know. Is he over? Yeah, I guess he is. I don't know how he couldn't be. He was a millimeter away. I thought, hell, I thought it was a touchdown on the fourth and 14 play.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that was really, really close. And it's better off that it wasn't because of the time that it took. And that's the best part. And, you know, what? it's also great that they spiked it with under three seconds to go. What a great way to finish the game where it's like, no, no, technicalities. Come on, Flanagan. Tell the world what we already know. Tell them what we already know. Um, But for me, one of the great moments in in, it's no sports history, but just in general, my fan watching history is the finish at Duke in 2012. It's, oh, now, yeah. it's over 10 years now, which is
1: crazy. So you but- remember, Tom, I had to sit out as yes. I was consulting for uh, Horizon Broadcasting, and uh I picked my wife up, threw her up in the air. Uh, we were with both you, jumping around.
2: Pal- I'm thankful for the KB thing. You didn't chuck me three rows down in the Rose Bowl, you know, because oh. if that if that's like your your pattern here, I'm just glad you didn't do that at the Rose Bowl.
1: No, I pi- I picked her up. Uh, I can I remember where we were standing, and, and I picked her up and I was like, Well, and she was like, Look at me, like, what are you doing? And I caught I was like, Holy, like, well, um,
2: that yeah. play is just so amazing because Bernard James commits a foul on the bucket they make, and they don't but blow the
1: refs the- do the right thing.
2: Unbelievably, in that building with Mike Patrick on the call, I'm sure after goes, That was a foul. This is a good man and John Shire, even though John Shire's nowhere in the building at the time.
1: Yeah, no, they do not blow the
2: whistle. And it's let just, him your, play.
1: Let him play.
2: okay, so it's only tied. Oh, oh wait a minute. He's got oh, look at the pass, he's open. Oh my god, because we hadn't had buzzer beating shots, I don't remember one before that point as a knoll, I mean, we've had some, you know, maybe free throws down the stretch, but
1: never goes on to hit 500 of them.
2: Right. It, it becomes a, it becomes a routine thing for the program yeah. for the next year yeah. or two. You're like, Oh, Ian Miller hit one. And you're like, this is what we do. And then subsequently we've had a bunch, Matthew Cleveland this year, which was the most unlikely of them all.
1: Oh, that's a that's a crazy one. That is hilarious.
2: But I remember an undergrad saying, Will we ever have a buzzer beater? Well, Jesus, we got the mother of them to start the whole domino effect. And that was that day at Duke, where it was everything just happened so fast that you just it takes 15 minutes to calm down after the game's over.
1: Yeah, that um I've, got, you know, it's weird. I, I'll put a ribbon on this. The 2003 game is one of the most underrated games in terms of pure satisfaction, because remember, you have the ugliness of what happens before the game, um, and the and Florida is supposed to win that game. Uh, you also have a situation where the ACC officials. <laughs> Brutalized Florida in this game. The Pat Watkins pick up a, a fumble and, and, and run it in the end zone, and you're like, I don't think that was a fumble. There's like so many things that happened in that game that led to the well, it led to, to to the change. Uh, first of all, of what officials do, what um, in terms of who gets to officiate the games, but uh, but also just because Florida basically chokes, it, it's, it's it's a choke, and it's just hilarious to watch that play out
2: but that's the stunning thing about this year's game is that they just let whatever agreement there was purge because none of the administrators had been there to, uh, that w- none of them were still employed by either university to continue the tradition of sec refing sec games and ACC hosting the games in Tallahassee. Like they, they said, all right, we're going to go back to the old ways. So there were ACC officials down in Gainesville this year. And guess what? For Florida's benefit to Florida's benefit, they forgot how many downs there were inside the 10 yard line. Like Jesus. This, yeah. this this conference man
1: <laughs> well you know what's funny is uh we even back then never felt as if ACC officials doing that game in Gainesville was a benefit to us we didn't think that that was a good thing now after that night I mean I have to, you know we felt pretty good about how poorly officiated that was but really We'd like to say to all teams from all conferences, if you have the misfortune of ACC officials reffing your game, could be a bowl game, could be whatever, uh, you you really don't know. You just know one thing. You know it's going to be bad. Could work for you. Could work against you. Not sure. It's going to be bad, guaranteed. Hour number two, forthcoming live Asians, Friday edition, Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, or Chant TV.